This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric O'Branson and Ryan Steiskel. Gentlemen, how you doing? Uh, doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Yeah. I'd ask what you guys yet? did this weekend, but we actually were able to get together this weekend, which was really cool. We yeah. yeah. To see Don't each other in person for once. So. <laughs> the first time um in like what two years we've uh, actually been in the same place at the same time and yeah yeah really three yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's right because right. you all we us, yeah. we got together the three of us i said the three of us were all together was when we recorded the second episode of the video junkyard podcast at ryan's place yeah in milwaukee yeah so i always forget yeah. uh how tall eric actually is in real life <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's a very tall Wait, I, I don't sound tall on the radio? No. <laughs> Just go crazy. I don't know no. how to take that. No. To be very blunt about it. <laughs> yes, you always sound like you're talking down to us. Ah. Uh, oh, <laughs> Just, okay. Just a little man in the corner. I almost thought that you might have been somebody like that would have like dressed exactly like Marlon Brando and would have been in this movie. right next to him. <laughs> mimicking everything he does <laughs> like a like a burnt piece of jer- human jerky oh, is this God. a segue is this a good segue well i think this I mean, one you know we had a chance to actually visit one yeah we had a chance to it visit is, about this it? one too when we got together this weekend um and and then of course we're gonna talk more about it tonight uh the film that of course we're talking about this week is the 1996 film the island of dr moreau seventh day, he rested. And on the eighth day, in the year 2010, in a remote laboratory, an exiled scientist created something impossible. Unmistakably human. Undeniably animal on the island of Dr. Moreau. I'd like to present my children. Father? Oh my god. From director John Frankenheimer. H.G. Wells' most terrifying creations about the line that separates man 
corrupt beast. And the notorious doctor who dared to cross it. We are men. Because the father has made us men. Marlon Brando. Val Kilmer. David Thewlis. The Island of Dr. Moreau. Directed by John Frankenheimer. Uh, so before we jump into it, a quick synopsis for anybody who's not familiar with the source material or the other two versions of this movie that, that, that uh, came out before. After being rescued and brought to an island, a man discovers that inha its inhabitants are experimental animals being turned into strange-looking humans, all of the work of a visionary doctor. Um, yeah, that's the plot of this movie, which is based on the novel by H.G. Wells. Um, this but is the, the real story... The problem with vaccinations, I swear to God. Oh, God. <laughs> the, real, the real story with this movie is how it ended up getting made. Um, oh, God, and it, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. the true I almost story. didn't. It almost <laughs> didn't, and, and I think many would say maybe it shouldn't, but uh, it at least gives us gives us uh, something to talk about. So what's both of your experiences with this one? Uh, we'll start with you, Ryan. Oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't really have one. Funny enough, I actually watched uh, one of the early, the one in the 70s version, um, which uh, that was my first experience. But with this particular movie, it was one of those situations where it's just like on TV, I caught little like blips of it. I think the one scene I remember that I caught when I was channel surfing and I was like, I was fucking maybe 15, 16, I don't know, I was a teenager, is the scene where you got a stone out of his mind, uh, Montgomery, played by Velvet mm -hmm. Kilmer, uh, <laughs> surrounded by an orgy of human-animal hybrids, uh, and he just gets shot by uh, yep. by by the dog dude, uh, who is played by of, Boba yeah. Fett himself. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, which I found out today about that. But uh, it's like, I'm like, huh, I have no grounds to understand anything that's going on here. I'm just going to move forward and forget what happened. And moving on. Moving yep. on. So, uh, <laughs> this movie, so it's got a big cast. It's, it's um, obviously Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer are headlining, but also Feruza Balk, David Thewlis. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Tamara Morrison, Nelson De La Rosa, Ron Perlman. Um, yeah, there's, it's a, it's, it's a big cast. John Frankenheimer directed it, but well, eventually, eventually. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so originally this film was supposed to be produced, uh, and, or put together by, um, Richard Stanley, right? Had you, have either right. of you seen any of the other Richard Stanley films? I no. have surprisingly enough only ever seen uh, color out of space which is his recent return to directing after the after this debacle he kind of uh disappeared literally to the point where people didn't know where he was for a couple decades i think so mm -hmm. um yeah he's recently returned to the, the limelight and uh directed the the color out of space movie with nicholas cage and i have i see i've seen that recently and actually enjoyed it quite a lot and um but yeah, that that's it. That's I haven't seen Hardware or Dust Devil. Uh, probably should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've seen Hardware and it was pretty good. Um, I've never been able to track down Dust Devil, but uh, yeah. I've, I've heard it's okay. Um, 
But what do you think? Like, so, so this the the basic backstory, and then I'd like to get your guys' take on it. Is they they hired Richard Stanley to do this movie. They thought it was going to be well, like a moderate budget film, but he was really visionary with it. And but do you think they had a lot to go on with him to begin with? Well, both Hardware and Dust Devil were like kind of sleeper hits, like uh, became cult classics like instantly, like right out of the gate. Um, they were both considered to be like fairly visionary. Like he was a very unique kind of filmmaker, bringing kind of a classical style to you know '80s horror movies that are what horror sci-fi films that he was making. And so yeah, I think they were excited about it. I think New Line as as a company was interested in in getting these like kind of young visionary filmmakers. They're kind of seeing themselves as the maybe the next generation of you know discovering the new generation of the the film brats generation like Coppola and Scorsese etc. Mm-hmm. The guys that kind of came out in the seventies and so they're looking to kind of grab this young talent. So they're looking to you know film festivals and and kind of cult cult films and um, so yeah I, I think they had every reason to believe that this guy was the real deal. Um, I don't think they could have foreseen him, you know, cracking under pressure. Getting two feature films made is no, like, minor feat. Um, however, making two independent pictures and then throwing your, you know, yourself in a room with two giant um, egos more than than, than actors <laughs> um, probably adds a lot of pressure to the, <laughs> the situation. But. Well, he didn't even get to, before he even got kicked off the project he even get the real he only hung out with brando like prior to production because yeah so actually brando helped him keep the job because i think he was about to lose his job before they even started shooting but right so i wonder what it would have been like for him to actually direct brando versus what actually ended up happening uh so that's I honestly think the way that Marlon Brando and I don't know I don't know enough about him I'm not any kind of a Brando historian in any way but it seemed like he came on this set just to be kind of like contrary and vindictive and I he was backing Richard Stanley like hardcore so I have a feeling he would have been a little easier had they used his guy you know? I, I think but, he and I'm just guessing here I think Brando saw something in Stanley that he could I don't want to say take advantage of, but essentially, like, yeah, I kind of feel like dicking around with a movie. This guy seems like he'd be open to some of my kooky ideas and willing to experiment and shit mm-hmm. like that. Um, whether he would have or not, I don't know. But he uh, may have been able to guide Brando, like, take like, hey, that's good energy, Brando. Why don't we go about it this way? Like, take that idea and twist it potentially. I'm taking a guess. At the, <laughs> at the same time, it, it doesn't sound like Richard Stanley was taking any shit from Val Kilmer. So he right. tried some of right. the same shenanigans. So who knows? I don't know what it would have ended up like. And it's crazy how there's all these excuses for, you know, like Bruce Willis was originally attached to this as the, the Douglas character. Or in the original draft, it's actually the same name as in the book, which is um, Edward Prendick. Um mm-hmm. But that was originally going to be Bruce Willis, and then he backed out because he and Demi Moore were getting divorced, and then Val Kilmer got divorce papers while he was on the set, and so. <laughs> well, but I mean, James it, Woods too. And James Woods was yep. originally going to be Montgomery, so they brought in Val Kilmer to be Douglas, and he wanted less time, so they changed his role, and they got rid of James Woods, and I mean, it was this weird shuffling of stars. Um, yeah. 
I, I mean, know we like to talk about in fandom, like, about studio tampering, but this is like the uh, kind of quintessential studio tampering movie story of a movie. Like, just every little decision they were making, like, based I mean, on... We want to make the money back. We want a star vehicle. We're gonna we're gonna just make every decision based on keeping those guys around. Like right, but there's also the whole fact that like the director himself is also somebody who like believes in the occult and like earlier on says like yeah I have a guy who does like <laughs> voodoo curses and I think like he did a curse that really worked out for me and it was able to get me to get this job. Then like later on like. Yeah, it turns out he was exposed to some radiation and his bones were decaying, so all of his voodoo rituals like went to hell. Like my mom's place was being attacked by lightning fireball. Like all these things, but is that what <laughs> happens with curses? Like if you're if something happens to your curse dude, does like all shit go to hell? That means like eventually well, I think all it's fucking that whole, things like <laughs> like things go back on you tenfold kind of deal. I guess it's like. I don't know. It's like those memes that you see, like, people... Been, I don't know if you guys seen these memes, but those memes where people post, like, you're getting, like, a procedure done by a doctor or whatever, and then, like... Or this is my favorite one. Like, you're seeing a, a psychologist about, about some problems. He goes around... He gives you your bill, and you run the car, and your car gets a night, so he just starts, like, starting to slam you for, with all of your insecurities. You know, that idea of, like, oh, you can't afford it. I gotta fucking, like, now do the opposite. Like... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what this the whole fucking movie is. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's the connection. <laughs> um, you, you know, this... I I had a... I loved this movie when it came out. I was... As soon as I heard about it, I remember being kind of infatuated with it. Um, yeah. Where I, I read the book. I went back and read the book. And I still haven't seen the two other versions, believe it or not, though. But I, I think I even had, like, a movie tie-in magazine that came out with this because it was stan winston effects so they were showcasing yeah, a lot of those. i think i remember that magazine or i read something in like a fangoria or yeah. i don't know something about the effects um same thing like i i was totally jazzed to see this thing i went to i went to the theater and watched this movie like right away when it came out and i loved it and uh which was surprising it's a pg-13 rating yeah yeah um yeah, I unapologetically loved it. I didn't catch that it was a really bad movie. None of that mattered to my, like, you know, it was 96, so I would have been 13, you know, yeah. so 12 or 13. And, yeah. You guys I didn't catch that it was excited. a bad movie. It was fun, so, yeah. Yeah, you guys well, were really excited to review it as well. Yeah, because, I, well, yeah. there's, I think, a lot to say, and, and I... There's the whole documentary Lost Souls, which is about Richard Stanley's take, essentially, on, on what happened... Um, yeah, with, with the production of this, and and I highly also where we're getting all of our information, we don't just know everything off the top of our head about Richard Stanley, but right. And I do <laughs> yeah. recommend that one. It is available on Tubi, um, and I do recommend checking that out because it is an interesting story. But I actually wanted to talk a little bit more about like the story in the film, uh, because mm -hmm. for warts and all, this is an adaptation of a classic science fiction story. Yeah. Um, yes. uh, you know, one that's garnered three, and I've heard there's discussion of a fourth, like a TV series uh, that's potentially in the works. But the, the basic concept here that you have this this mad scientist who in the original book um, was, was doing vivisection. Mm -hmm. And he's essentially uh, run out of England and sets up shop on this desert island with some big batch of funding. And he's making these in the original book he's 
doing surgery on animals to make them act like humans. Uh, and of course, you know, so he creates the beast folk. And in this version, it's, you know, genetic engineering. But right. the, the, there's a lot of themes here about nature and what it is to be human. And do you feel like any of that comes out in this film? Yes, there's a bit of it. Um, there are a couple of scenes. Um, <laughs> and as much as we're shitting on Brando, or going to if we haven't started, um, <laughs> I think his couple scenes, he's only really got a few scenes in the movie because of his diminished amount of time that he was able to spend on it, uh, or willing to spend on it, I guess, whoever. Well, he also, the story, yeah. I believe. He also had a, um, a child who died by suicide, too. Which yeah, added right. To this yep. Yeah. But so, his scenes with both, um, what's her name, Feruza Balk's character, uh, Ayesa. Yeah. And um, his scene also with the hyena swine um, hybrid, I think both touch on those ideas. Um, like, what what are their roles? Like, who are they? Are they are they human? Are they? Uh, you know, are they are they animals? Are they human? Like, where do they where do they fit into everything? And what is he to them? Is he God? Is he Creator? Is he Father? As they call him, um, and so yeah, I, I think it's there. I want to say, had we gotten Richard Stanley's movie, it would hopefully have been a little more deeper, you know, because because he was yeah. cer- certainly extremely interested in adapting, you know, the primary. He was very familiar with the the source material and the other adaptations as and you know as well as taking some influence from heart of darkness yep. as well which is another the the novel that um apocalypse now is heavily based on um speaking of brando so well and, and they <laughs> um, talk but, in the documentary too about when hg wells wrote this joseph conrad wasn't they, they got into an argument about yeah. stealing each other's characters and, right you know so so the moreau character here is you know it's funny that you got Brando essentially has played both versions of kind of a similar character in uh, in two related stories. But yeah, um, yeah I, I thought some of those those themes are, um, are are retained, and I was actually I think rewatching it now, kind of with the backstory in mind, I still was able to maybe not as easily because yeah, this, there are parts of this movie that just look terrible and. You know, editing wise, don't work, and dialogue's terrible in parts. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, I, not a well made movie. In fact, even <laughs> even some of the makeup effects, you know, again, this is Stan Winston Studios, and some of the stuff is just blah. Yeah, yeah, it's but never that, right out bad, but it's certainly weak for that yeah. studio, especially for like the time. Like, it isn't like this is new. Like, they were doing way better stuff, like almost half a decade prior to that, or even a decade prior to that. But there um, was something I noticed that I never noticed before, because it's been many years since I've seen this, is that when the Beast Folk all stop taking their injections, that kind of, you know, keeps them from regressing. I, I mean, I remember that they started regressing, you know, more in their behavior, but I never noticed the physical changes that start happening, other than Feruza Balk. But the hyena mm-hmm. swine in particular, I never noticed before how more terrifying he looks from one scene to the next yeah because in the beginning well, the first scene you see him and he almost looks like harry and the hendersons you know yeah i did not know he was a that's a very good uh comparison <laughs> spot yeah. on 
Because I didn't even know he was a hyena at first. I yeah. thought he was just kind of like a weird little monkey man. Um, I mean, you know, you get... Yeah, I was going to say, you get a lot of, like, total recall. Like, people always like, yeah, three tits. I'm like, yeah, but where's where's the kids out there? Sorry, kids. Uh, where's the teens or dudes out there always like, yeah, but what about, like, you know, the eight-breasted... Uh, pig lady. Pig, pig lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just like, dude, she never gets her credit, her due. Where's the... Well, she got to make out with Val Kilmer. So, yeah. that's yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's an image that I needed to see. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially with the, with him being Batman around this time. Yeah. Um, that, that was probably one of the reasons that got, you know, our, our teen, preteen butts in the theater seats was partially because of he was just rolling off of, you know, being Batman, so. Like, Mommy, what oh, was Batman doing with the pig lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and since you mentioned the hyena swine, um, that's, he's always been my favorite character in this uh just the most interesting i always thought and even in the book mm-hmm. um he's, he's a, a really just interesting character is the one who kind of starts the catalyst down though technically the leopard man lomai in this movie is the one that really kind of starts the downfall um yeah. for eating a rabbit but yeah the uh the hyena swine though i just always thought was one of the weirdest monster villains for some reason just it was there's just something about it, like he 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 gets damn near like just damn right evil at the end. Yeah, he sure does. Yeah, he digresses like pretty quickly into, and I actually think his. And we were talking about the special effects, and I do think there's a lot of side characters and and you know background animal people that look kind of weak. Their main characters are all pretty good, all pretty solid makeups, mm-hmm. uh, and especially Hyena Swine's my my favorite of them. And that's because, like you said, he gets scarier as he regresses. Like as his regression kicks in, he really becomes, you know, beast-like, and even even beyond beast-like because he has this just—I don't know. I guess you use the word evil, and I think that's a good way to put it. He's got this like dark streak in him that's uh, he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And well, um, yeah, I think he's actually like an incredibly unsettling and and by the end of it terrifying like villain of this movie and it works it works when it works (laughs) so right i would i would say he uh if we're going off the theme of the um what makes him so destructive uh we're talking about his regression yeah his animal uh tendencies are quite obvious but it's it's that part of his humanity the intelligence to know um, like when he goes with the bones of uh, the leopard mm-hmm. after they cremate him, he finds that there's a tracker, and then he right away, like, oh, this must also be in me. Let me remove it. Now I can't feel pain. And then he that that's where the spiral starts. So and then you know the use of guns. So it's, I guess if if one wanted to to do that kind of uh, breakdown, is uh, what it, what is it that caused the the destructive tendencies? Was it their an their urge to be animals, or was it because they were forced to be human for so long? And it's that part of that humanity that gave them the power to be even more destructive than what a what an animal would have done, like on its own. Yeah, and I think that's one of the fascinating things I wanted to mention to just get into the human characters a little bit is you know with like Moreau. So. And actually, I all the weird, goofy shit aside, that people are like, "Oh, Brando was so weird for wanting an ice bucket on his head and all this stuff." I thought it worked really well, to be honest. 
I mean, yeah. it's Brando hamming it up big time. But so he's playing this scientist who he's crazy enough to create to think he can by making human animal hybrids he can get rid of of negative behaviors get by going back devil. to like yeah. primal yeah his whole story about i've isolated the devil in my microscope and all that um you know and but he's completely gone mad with feeling like a god you know, just I mean, how much when, of this is actually Brando himself as well, like on set? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make whatever I want to make here on this tropical setting. It's actually perfect casting in a weird it, way. It really worked. It's, it's so. Is it nuts or genius, or is this one of those where it kind of grazed the line between them? Um, but yeah, it's I think madness. he he always kind of grazed the line between, well, at least in his his older age. Um, he has some great moments here and there, uh, but he's totally inconsistent. The whatever he was adding to the character is is interesting and it's brave in the way like you know um, some of our more eccentric actors that I appreciate. Uh, your you know Nick Cage, uh, Val Kilmer be, is one of them as well um, that could just walk into something and do something totally unexpected and it just like sometimes they hit it perfectly and it just works really well and then other times it's like eh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you going for it but it's uh um but his consistency is is off here i don't know if that's an old age or the stuff that you know obviously the stuff that's going on in his personal life at the time or just the cult that was built around marlon brando that affected it but like he is using different accents in different scenes he's <laughs> And I guess you could you could say, well, Doctor Moreau's mad, so that makes sense. Okay, and I buy it, and I can get through it. But for to say it's an inspired performance, it's more like Marlon Brando playing fuck around for. Um, but I I I think it worked, you know, yeah. or it can work if you if you just watch it for. I I yeah. I want to be careful with this one personally because the story behind the making of it has become bigger than the movie itself. And so yes. I, I do, and I do think it's a fascinating story about filmmaking gone wrong. Um, but I also really want to, I, I try to watch this one also for, you know, how is it compared to the source material? And because this isn't like a, a no name science fiction story, this has been. Right. You know, it's Wells and it's an all time yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of has tones of 19, of, of, of Animal Farm you know animal farm borrowed some things from this it feels like or uh, whenever i don't know the order sorry <laughs> which was published first yeah i'm pretty sure just that this moreau would predate animal way, farm yeah. by I would, a while a, a, a little lot while. yeah um but i feel like it's no it's it's structurally this is not a well-made film it's, you can tell like you can in a lot of movies like you mentioned you know there's all this discussion about studio meddling you can always tell, and this is another one. This is like Suicide Squad, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It just it feels like it was chopped totally different, and you've got well, it feels incomplete too. Like they didn't get a chance to shoot a bunch of shit they should have because it's just a mess, you know. Like you, you mentioned yeah. the editing, but it's it's just the, I feel like they don't they don't have the whole script shot here. They're like filling in the gaps, and well, I think Stanley <laughs> it... wanted to make a, a much bigger movie. Yeah, um, I think he was, you know given a little bit of cash and thought it was a hell of a lot more and just kept Cer adding and more and more certainly from what he was talking about he definitely wanted to spend more time with the beast people 
than they did in this film. So. Explore their society that they have, yeah. which yeah. in this case is just it's pretty horrible. Um, yeah, they don't do much. They get you get the one scene uh, when Douglas first escapes from the Monroe's compound uh, and gets to. Um, where, where all the beast people live he hears the, the sayer of the law kind of doing his thing you know speaking the speaking the laws and um being the the guru of the beast people um and then they're interrupted by dr moreau coming to claim you know bring him back uh and i think that's pretty much you know until later when we get to see how everything's broken down but that little snapshot is all we get of what life was like before you know, Lomai's demise well, uh, that throws everything off. Yeah. So. We're looking at the behind the scenes, like, uh, with Stanley's plans, like, the illustrations that they had planned up, like, they, it was going to be quite the experience, quite this whole unique culture of its own uh, that's almost like a weird nightmare-induced Alice in Wonderland, it almost seemed like, with some of the animal creatures. But there was a culture there um, you know, and like the imagery that it seems like he had kind of planned up would have been kind of interesting to explore. But yeah, when you see the actual movie and where um, the 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 next director took it, uh, it's ugly. It's just an <laughs> ugly shanty town. It's it's just as like everything's just different shades of brown, but with no contrast really. And yeah. it's just, yeah. it's just, it just blends and it's ugly. Like it, the Stan Winston effects are ugly and like they shouldn't have been there. And you know, there is something in, <laughs> to be said about that because I feel like this movie has an ugliness to it that I think was intentional, but it kind of makes you feel like you want to take a bath a little bit after you watch it. Like it's a grimy film. Like, um, yeah, you feel which I actually sweat. think might've worked <laughs> for it. Yeah. Might've worked for it in a, in a, better movie but (laughs) yeah yeah and there's even i don't know i had a lot of questions too upon this watching like okay so he's been on the island for 17 years how old are some of these beast folk yeah i mean oh do they age like animals or do they they must age at animal age yeah so like that means that the sayer of the law is like 16 but he looks like he's like 90 Mm -hmm. it depends on the lifespans of goats or Rams, and or what, whatever he was. Sounds probably about right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, th- in the original book, when Moreau dies and Montgomery's gone and everything, and it's it's just the the Douglas character, like I said, uh, Prindick in the book, mm-hmm. he notices over a period of time that the Beast Folk start regressing, and they, in, you know, invert their law, essentially. That they, they just kind of start regressing on their own. They start walking around all fours. Essentially, they start giving into their animalistic tendencies um, on their on their own uh, throughout like a period of like six months. I thought it was really interesting how they addressed that here with that injection. Yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah. it's kind of sped everything along, of course, to fit into a the film they, were, I guess, ended up making. Um, but I just thought that was really kind of interesting. In this case, they did it with drugs i wanted to kind of use that to lead into also um val kilmer doing his brando impersonation for the last half of the film (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was awesome (laughs) it is it's i think it's great 
it it is in a way like it it's bizarre like the a lot of the decisions made in this movie both by actors and both filmmakers and like or both directors and just the whole thing there are some bizarre things going on here so um and yeah yeah that that's certainly one of the more memorable things about you know he's just like oh they killed Moreau, so i'm literally gonna jump into his clothes and become him um and start handing out amphetamines and <laughs> yeah and, and lewds well, to yeah, bring up bring on the party you know yeah that was Here's the, the beast man orgy so oh god it's yeah. um <laughs> i wanted to like you were bringing up like that that subplot with uh, the regression and like how they dealt with it with shots and that was an actual plot point with like why this uh douglas character was brought to the island was like oh i was he finds out that he was meant to be harvested uh, mm-hmm. and all of his DNA and such was going to be used to finalize the work and actually stabilize everything. Um, and there was like this weird emotional moment. But honestly, like, it's like, it's like, but it doesn't matter, dude. Everyone's dead. And you found out after. Like, you fa- like no one's going to force you into this now. Like, why is this a deep emotional moment for you? It seems weird. You know, I feel like if it was like, I guess, I'm going to take a guess that they're going with the story that was written uh, without, like, you know, but without the actual visionary's intentions and, like, how he wanted to, to portray that. I, I honestly kind of felt kind of, like, you know what I mean? I would have been more relieved as yeah. a character, like, well, that was a close fucking call. Instead, he's crying, going, oh, they're going to do this to me. And, like, dude, you're you're lamenting to a person who's already suffering and regressing. You're just saying like, yeah, I was going to be your cure. Oh, well console me. <laughs> I'm like yeah. fucking white guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, it just, like, I it, feel like that was part of the subplot put in here that wasn't needed. Right. Yeah, that's what I like, mean. I don't like, or if it's a, it's an emotional moment. Subplot but... with, Oh, here's Douglas's DNA. Yeah. Like, you know, they could have cut that out and to it, them. Yeah. No, it but, was right. you know, you know, and and that would have been, you know, his character is you know your is the the lens in which you're peering into this world. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess all he all the plot was the only direction the plot was driven by having the DNA samples taken from him. Like there was a plan to do stuff. Is to just show what that. Moreau's willing to do anything, but that's just it, it didn't have any impact. No, no, right? So that's what I it mean. It was an it's odd less... choice, and it did nothing to the script except add five minutes. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it was just it like the whole like character filler. of Douglas feels kind of like on like minus the fact that he is our like person that we view everything through, he's he, he's nothing really, nothing against the actor, it's just his character, like they don't really. Well, yeah, no, because no I've seen David Thewlis and other stuff, this movie. and he's great. This is, one, this is just one of many fucking bullet points of why this movie just like, wow, no one gave a fucking rat's ass about this in the end. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, David Thewlis is, you know, I have nothing against him. He's a really good actor in a lot of other things I've seen him in, but he just seems really mm-hmm. miscast in this yeah. role. I mean, this role was originally for Bruce yeah. Willis and then Val Kilmer, and I think somebody else then, I don't remember who off the top of my head, but another person was supposed to be it. And they settled on Thulis, which, you know, 
Yeah, who is the other guy in the documentary? But there was another actor. He's interviewed in the documentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's from Northern Exposure. From Northern Exposure. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 yeah. bailed. He basically said this thing's going to hell I'm out and yeah. bailed on it. Probably the smartest guy he, he in the whole production. He bailed during a hurricane. But, well, it was interesting yeah. too just to, yeah. to jump back into the the weird production of this how one of the things Richard Stanley wanted to do is okay, we're going to shoot in Australia. I want everybody to move down to Australia for a couple of months. Yeah. And they and, didn't uh, yeah. do anything. And shooting in like a kind of extremely remote location that mm-hmm. was um you know an hour drive from where they were like their their accommodations um have to get actors out an hour out and then get them into these like appliances and makeups and all the stuff and it just sounds like from the get-go it sounds to me like a terrible idea like all of that sounds like that's not a good way to do this thing <laughs> yeah but i you know, it's it is what it is. Like he, he, it sounds like he went through a couple of phases with New Line where they were like, oh, he, you know, he's the right guy for this. He's got this great script and all of this. And then to where they have some doubts, then all of a sudden Marlon Brando wants won't do the movie unless Stanley's involved. So then all of a sudden they got to put up with all of this. And um, well, and and so, they had just gotten done with uh, doing Don Juan DeMarco with Brando, which apparently was not a good experience right and yep. so they're like shit we got to deal with him again um, yeah i think was it robert shea is the yeah know, the guy that ran new line yeah robert shea said he was just furious with the the, the producers for bringing brando back in because they're just like we yeah we had it up to here with him and to have him you know basically controlling another one of our productions is just yeah well that's what yeah. kind of like the documentary is so fascinating to watch and see the motivations like, like why studios do what they do and it's just like the only reason that Val Kilmer was brought on board because they're like yeah we're spending money on people we got Brando he's a lot we need to have some but he's not he's famous but not famous enough to bring in money so we need to bring in somebody who's hot right now let's bring in Kilmer mm-hmm. it's like it's mm-hmm. like all these decisions like and it's like yeah that's how movies usually fucking go it's just like it's all Brandon. It's like, hey, we're making an investment, and we want to see if we can double it, uh, if we can get that money back. It's like, oh, in in spite of a uh, you know meaningful creative uh, artistic endeavor. It's like, cool. Well, that's not disheartening. It, it, There's a reason the director, looks, the former director, ran into the woods afterwards. So. This movie <laughs> looks. This movie looks amazing on paper. Yeah. You know, yeah. directed by John Frankenheimer. Starring Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer, special effects by Stan Winston, you know, script mm-hmm. by Richard Stanley, and it all oh, that's. But I remember, and Eric, I think you were there too. When I was in college, uh, Bruce Campbell came to give a, a lecture one night. Yeah, and he he said to the audience, which was really hilarious. He said, "Name one movie I've made that you want your money back for." And it was amazing. The entire crowd of students yelling out "Congo" at once. <laughs> and yeah, he, did fun. you remember this? He told the story about how yeah. that got made. He goes, "Imagine this. I'm sitting in my my apartment. My agent calls me and said, I've got a movie that you should audition for, and I think you're going to get the part.'" And he's like, "Okay, well, you know, tell me about it." Well, it's based on the book by by Michael Crichton, who made Jurassic Park, and the screenplay is by the guy who made the screenplay for Jurassic Park, and it's got Stan Winston doing the effects, and it stars Tim Curry, and just on and on. He's like, "Yes, why wouldn't I say yeah to this movie? Yeah, it's fucking Congo." 
<laughs> it turned out <laughs> yeah. like Congo. So I I don't blame anybody for I, I don't think they made decisions in this movie like just saying fuck it. Like they they clearly were trying to no. do something, Ryan. Like you no, said, not they at were first. banking yeah. this, and then they just went in too deep. Didn't they say the original budget was going to be like six or eight million? And as yeah, soon and as they, they got Brando, 40. it went up to thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, they they ended up spending forty million on it, and it did end up making most of that back at box office. But it has been panned as being one of the worst. You know, it's on all those lists of like worst movies. It was nominated for Razzies the year it came out, obviously, um, and yeah. So it's what did it, it grossed forty-nine million worldwide was made for so this is this is a profitable movie so they pulled it off but anyway well yeah uh, that's not that's, not not the big money they thought they'd be making with that cast and that well and to be honest if you take val kilmer out of this i bet it wouldn't have mm-hmm. and agreed i think he was star power at the time i think uh, and and to be fair to him too you know if he was a if the rumors and the stories are true about him being an asshole on the set have validity which i'm i have no reason to doubt him um He's actually not bad in this, though. No, that's the problem. Is like both him no. and fucking Brando are actually kind of enjoyable. Like they're a train wreck, but they're an enjoyable yeah. train wreck. Kilmer's yeah. Kilmer's Montgomery is is definitely sinister from the very beginning. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I had no doubt in my mind that the whole reason everything fucking fell apart was because of his. Like it was all sabotage from the beginning. Like that was where my fucking brain went with the way he was acting towards everything. But I, I just like... It, it was either deliberate sabotage or by his indifference to everything. Like, he obviously... Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, he's just this chaotic element who just exists, which is a part of his own madness for being trapped on the island. Like, he's someone who's clearly unhappy with his position. Even for, a moment, for a moment, I didn't know if we were talking about the character of Montgomery or Val Kilmer on the set. <laughs> Which oh, again, if you haven't like, caught on yet yeah. to the theme of this whole thing, it's one yeah. and the same. <laughs> it's yeah. just, like... just like Brando and his, you know, he kind of method acted Moreau here. I think Val Kilmer did a bit with a bit of that with Montgomery. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um, well, speaking of a week or so ago, you you mentioned something. Uh, I don't remember what we watched that you mentioned. Like, oh, in my head canon, I like to think of this as a, a sequel to Real Genius, or you mentioned it was similar to Real Genius, and. This is the one in my head canon that is the official sequel to Real <laughs> this Genius. This is what happens to Christopher like, Knight. This is, yeah, this is Christopher Knight years later. He's changed his name to Montgomery after failing out of, you know, whatever he was at. You know. yeah, it, it, it works if you think about it. Well, yeah, because Montgomery is a, a former, like, wasn't he like a neurosurgeon? Yeah. That yeah. The line is that now he's just become the Beast Folks jailer. Um, right. But this is the the parallel too, and I know we mentioned this before, like how the 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 story has parallels to Heart of Darkness, and Brando, of course, in the the updated version of that with Apocalypse Now, Val Kilmer's Montgomery is very reminiscent of Dennis Hopper in Apocalypse Now. Yeah, the yep. the, the drugged up, burned out, crazy, violent to some degree um, reporter. In, in Apocalypse Now that's obsessed with Kurtz and thinks, yeah, this guy's a god. They worship him like a god. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, there's... maybe that's the influence of uh, Michael Herr, who is the co-writer that they brought in to help Stanley finish the script or kind of, like, yeah. fix up the script. And uh, Michael Herr was a person who um, 
I think had his own experience in Vietnam as well as being a writer about Vietnam. Um, So I think there's, there's definitely a connection to not only heart of darkness, but to apocalypse now and to the Vietnam era, all, all of that stuff finds its way into this movie. And that's probably through Michael Herr more than it is through Richard Stanley, but uh, certainly Richard Stanley is aware of heart of darkness as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think any of that's an accident. I think that's all supposed to be similar there. And I think the Brando thing was like a happy accident. They're probably all really, you know, probably another reason they were willing to work with him was because they they knew that connection was there. I wanted to also touch on the ending. Um, obviously from a technical perspective, but also narratively. Mm-hmm. Because, the again, this is a, a book that's got quite a lot of really strong themes and the story has those themes and it's i think they're present here um but the ending kind of the douglas's final thoughts as he you know he's so he leaves the island and he says he's going to come back and it's actually a really interesting exchange of dialogue between he and uh, Mm -hmm. ron perlman who's the sayer um that he's going to come back with scientists who can maybe help you know help them out and he just says no more scientists i i thought you would have understood that by now yeah. Like, we are what we are. We're not men. We're not animals. We are what we are. Yeah, but then, we're better off this way. <laughs> and we're better off this way, yeah. Uh, but then, as Douglas is drifting back out to sea, the you start seeing images and video clips of modern-day riots and violent behavior. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if you guys had any thoughts on, on that parallel. Like, is that really hitting the, the theme of story um, uh, go ahead Ryan mm-hmm. oh I, I was just gonna say I'll be honest um, yeah all these themes are here but honestly this movie's kind of heavy-handed with them there's no like delicate touch there's no like philosophical yeah. exploration it's just like here's this thing yep that's pretty damn obvious <laughs> you're kind of forcing it down my throat um, true yeah, yeah I thought I thought the montage was ham-fisted like I yeah. thought it was really too much it's like this is the point of the movie like really like yelling it loudly in your ear um and it just seemed like a lazy a bit of a lazy way to end the movie like i would have liked it just it could like just a low... end quietly on on those words between you know um douglas and, and the sayer and just left it there we didn't did any of us need that to know that 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 was what this is about that it's a critique of human behavior and how we separate ourselves from the animals and da 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 do we need that montage to get that i mean hopefully not i mean the whole movie starts with two guys on his raft fighting for like the last ration of water exactly Uh do whatever and it's just like honestly this is where i'm at this is what it is uh douglas's character his whole point is to be us not just in the story of this movie but also just the production of this movie in general just looking around going what kind of fucking mess am i in and how soon can i get out of it like there's nothing Mm -hmm. there's nothing deep here this is a weird situation i need to go and that goes for like people watching this movie as well going like why is Val Kilmer dressed up as Marlo Brando's weird interpretation of Dr. Monroe? I'm getting a laugh, but I'm still confused. <laughs> I'm very confused. Well, and it, giving yeah. him a romance, which can't, you know, comes from the uh, 
Lost Souls, Island of Lost, Lost Souls. Island of Lost Souls with the Panther Woman uh, thing. So some of the early adaptations, it's not from Wells' novel, but um, giving him the romantic relationship with uh, Ayesa gives um, gives him a reason to be interested. I think otherwise this version of Douglas has almost no interest besides his own survival to be interested in anything that's going on here on the island. And if he really was only interested in his own survival, like he, you know, backing the bad guys in this would have been the way to go. But, (laughs) um, but yeah, so, so we get a, we get a typical Hollywood, like let's, let's give him interest or give him, invest him in this situation by giving him a love interest. And that is, you know, for his Valk's character in this. So, and it's just not, they don't No, Right. I was going to say, she's, there's nothing really like building their relationship. You're just told. Yeah, he's just kind of like leering at her at one point, and then all of a sudden we're we like. She's initially very standoffish, and then all of a sudden in the next scene, there's like we're supposed to assume there's some sort of relationship here, and like okay, well he was kind of creepy at first, and then that's another thing Douglas is in this movie is he's never really a great protagonist. Like you don't really identify with him because he's not a great dude he's kind of cruel to the animal people at first he's because they're kind of creepy with with uh ayesa who he thinks is just murrow's normal daughter um yeah i don't know he's he's, yeah i think if i were sitting at a table surrounded by a bunch of dog men wearing suits and serving me food i'm not going to be calling them grotesque monstrosities to their face yeah, you'd think not. But. You know, like, <laughs> I'd be terrified and very yeah. confused, but I don't think I'd be lashing out and, you know, this, this person that clearly has you prisoner on their island, yeah, go ahead, call him a madman, call him a lunatic. Go right ahead. Right. See how well that goes. This person has, has animal people that could eat you. Well, I think his shock is supposed to be, like, his reaction is supposed to be relatable in someone. Maybe this is just a little dated because it is from the nineties, but like he just comes off as being cruel. Like he just right off, like writes these, you know, people, animal men, whatever they are, you know, whatever we're going to call them off as like monstrosities, mutants, you know, freaks. And like, no, empathy like, okay. And, and that would be, and that would be great if he had like a character's, you know, a journey through this movie where he comes to, redeem himself and understand these people and but he never really gets there no like he right. he's cool with them a little bit by the end but there's never really that like you know respect or any kind of anything any kind of change in him where you where it makes it all worth it but anyway well and at the end who's left you've got sayer of the law you've got Miling, who's like the soft gentle dog guy yep and you've got Majai who's Nelson De La Rosa the little (coughs) right yeah little guy mini me yeah mini me yeah the original mini me um (laughs) who's been that's really what this movie's known for which is something Brando called yeah that was Brando decision uh because he was was supposed to be was supposed to be the the son the favorite son character yeah and uh yeah um Nelson De La Rosa, who is the world's smallest man, um, was supposed to be just kind of a. I mean, he he was there for the you know, excuse the term, but the freak show aspect of it. He was supposed to be like a, you know, kind of fluky experiment. Like look at this little guy or whatever, and uh, 
Brando called it and said, everybody wants to watch this. This is what they want to watch. You know, get this guy in every scene. He's going to be in every scene with me, at least. I'm going to, I'm not going to do it unless you do that. I mean, it's typical Brando fashion, but I think he ended up being right about that. Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. That was a good call. So. Well, and, and in the documentary. And it also influenced Mike Myers to create, you know, yeah. the character and, of and, Mini-Me uh, in the Austin Powers I, films. I did like the story that Feruzabalk tells in the documentary about going up to Brando and, and saying, you know, hey, can I talk to you? And he's really nice to her. And he says, yeah, sure. What's up? And she's like, would you, I I want some time with you to talk about our characters and their relationship. And he's just like, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) this is insanity and none of it matters. I'm getting paid. You're getting paid. Let's just get through this. (laughs) Brando being like pretty real. Like, I mean, he, that's when, you know, yeah, he was, he was fucking with him. Right, yeah. um, and I don't know. In a way, I'm kind of glad because of what they did to Richard Stanley, but it's still didn't yeah. Help. And it seems like it's funny because at the end, when that Lost Soul kind of wraps it up at the end of that uh, documentary, it seems like that production team was cut like split right down the middle into like still at the end, like to this day, because it's the documentary is from 2014, in um, camps about you know being on Richard Stanley's side or John Frankenheimer's side. Like, we made the right move firing Richard Stanley, and the other guys were like, yeah, I think we would have been better off. We just would have pushed on with Stanley and made it, it would have been a better film. Whatever. But, well, yeah, I did like interesting. The, I did like the thing that, that Richard Stanley wasn't supposed to be on the set at all because he'd been fired, but he still showed up and <laughs> he was in costume during one of the scenes with the Beast Folk. He's an extra. He's in the movie. You can see him in the movie. His, his dog man in m- multiple scenes in the film. He snuck on the set and played an extra the whole like for long days, and just never took his mask off. Which I I found that that was like my favorite story in that whole thing. I was just cracking up because yeah, it's like um, yeah, well, the audacity kind of, but at the same time it's like yeah. I mean you kind of like fuck yeah, Richard Stanley. You <laughs> that's good for you. Like, well, and it's it's just as obvious as the ending of this is. It's you know, plain as day two that the, the production kind of mimics some of the themes <laughs> that the movie's about. Yeah. Oh, but, oh yeah. You know, but, yeah. yeah, what's it really about? It's about people being at their worst. <laughs> and yep. uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of that here. Um, it, everybody. Yeah. I would involved. recommend that documentary. We, I won't go like super deep into it, but yeah, the, the film production itself became chaos and, and really mirrored what the movie was about. It's very interesting. So, yeah. Um, well, should we talk any about any uh, final thoughts and a and a grade? Um, Ryan, let's start with you. Um, I don't really know what else to add, to be honest with you. Like with everything, like the story was. I mean, this isn't like the worst fucking thing that we've ever watched. <laughs> Funny enough, it's it, <laughs> but it's fascinating based on like, it's like, just how notorious of a film this is. Uh, based on his production, uh, it turned out to be way more fascinating uh, about it. Um, and yeah, how much it kind of like, like it's trying to be, uh, I mean, you know, it's somebody's attempts to make something deep and it's it's being uh, created by people who don't really care um, after they push him out. And it, it, and it shows this here too, where you got, you know, like the theme of, people trying to 
being in control of something, but realizing they're actually, the more control they try to have, the more chaos actually ensues. <laughs> um, and yeah. it's kind of just a, I can't even say beautiful mess. It's kind of a sweaty mess. <laughs> it's a sweaty green and brown <laughs> mess. Um, the, 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 ever, this is the worst of everything. This is the worst. Like, the story is half-assed. Uh, the Stan Winston makeup is half-assed. Not on their part. I'm just saying to the way that things were treated and shot. Um, uh, the performances from, like, the two biggest pain in the asses is uh, still kind of the most interesting performances in this fucking garbage show of a movie. Um uh, like I said, this this movie wasn't really that offensive as I expected it to be with all of its notoriety. But uh, fuck, I'll give it a C minus. I feel like that's pretty generous, but I'm, it's it's it kind of matches my indifference. But just it's fascinating. I'm glad it exists. It, uh, if anything, a documentary. You gotta watch the movie and then watch the documentary, and then it really appreciate the documentary. I think mm-hmm. it's an experience. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm at with it. What about you, Eric? This, yeah, this is a extremely flawed movie with lots of like interesting aspects. Um, I mean, outside of like the story and the the documentary, I'll keep separate from from this. Um, but I think in general, the look of the film, the feel of the film, and the special effects of the film work well together. It gives it that kind of grimy. I think what what. <laughs> what uh, Ryan just kind of called a sweaty mess, but I think actually kind of works for what they were going for. Yeah. But um, it just, nothing really becomes, like the, the, I feel like the scenes don't even go together well. It's just such a poorly made film, and that's obviously because of the failings behind the camera more than anything else. I think the cast is good here. Almost everyone in this cast is, you know, fine in this movie. Kilmer and Brando definitely are the ones uh, who are memorable, mostly because of their over-the-top um, performances here. Um, screenplay falls apart about halfway through. I don't know whose fault that is because there's so many names on it by the time they actually get this thing done. Um, I think Marlon Brando is great and awful back and forth, and, and it's kind of an interesting part of this movie. And uh, I think this movie definitely has to be paired with Lost Soul. That is... Uh, a must because it is um, the behind the scenes story of this is kind of a second to none, you know, doomed production. As as the as we keep calling it Lost Soul, but the long name of David Gregory's documentaries, Lost Soul, the doomed journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, which is uh, um, just because I used the word doomed there, but lots of nostalgia here that made me really want to like this movie because I really did. I, I, I liked it a lot uh, when I first saw it. But that's not really going to prop it up because I, um, although I found it enjoyable to watch, it's still kind of a huge mess. I'm going to give this one a D plus, I believe. So I find enough stuff for it to be worthwhile, uh, or enough redeeming factors in it to get it above. I'm not going to fail it, but it's really a hot mess of a movie, <laughs> and uh, I'll leave it there. I will, however, uh, give Lost Soul uh, a solid A for just an entertaining, and definitely pair this uh Island Dr. Moreau, if you're going to take the time to watch it, um, definitely check out Lost Soul when you're done. I'll definitely agree on that point. Um, the documentary is excellent. It's, it's Even if you don't watch the, the film, which I, I still I do recommend a, a pairing, um, 
but it's it's a, a fascinating story about just filmmaking gone completely awry uh and and not with some little underground film with with a major studio big budget motion picture with a huge cast which i agree most of the cast in here are are really really great um it's just the the vehicle in which they're in was so mismanaged uh you can tell that that thulis and and Balk and everybody else is really giving it their all i actually think that the cast especially of his children so uh tamara morrison uh and so on you know they're really good these like kind of more advanced beast folk are the ones that you know he that are serving him and stuff like that it's just an interesting dichotomy with kind of class issues I will admit that I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of the original book and source material, and I was a big fan of this when I was a kid, so I, I know there's a bias here, but I'm going to go with a C- as well, like Ryan. Um, I feel like despite the mess of this film, technically, it is really a cool update to that original story. Um, the decisions that were made for you know some of the plot devices, for whatever the plot was. But just like at the basic points of, of the story, like I mentioned, the regression, the way they handled that, I thought was a neat update. So I give it some credit for that, but ultimately um, this movie definitely is improved with watching the documentary behind it because you're getting two fascinating stories and one one is just told much better than the other. So <laughs> that would be uh, be my, my grade for that one. Uh, but we would love to hear from any of our listeners. What did you think of The Island of Dr. Moreau? Have you read the book? Are you familiar with the other versions of the film um have you seen this documentary we keep talking about we would love to hear any of your questions comments criticisms or witticisms and you can direct those at the video junk air podcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at video junk pod or the video junk air podcast group or main page on facebook as well as pinterest and instagram and a number of other social media networks please feel free to drop us a line we would love to know what you think and the Video Junkyard Podcast now has an official Patreon page. Got any money? Which you can find at patreon.com slash Podcast. If you like what you hear, consider giving a little bit back to the podcast. Uh, any money collected through Patreon just goes back into the podcast, helps us cover production costs, web hosting, etc. And of course, we'll throw you uh, some uh, exclusive uh, members-only content, uh, VJP swag, and uh, the ability to vote in polls help us decide what to watch on the show. So check it out. And of course, we... Always appreciate you coming back and listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. And more importantly, what's coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we are going to dive into our month of Halloween classics. And uh, when we say Halloween classics, we mean from, now that we are officially becoming old men, uh, the time when we were growing up. So we're going to look at, uh, in the next the coming weeks van helsing monster squad fright night hocus pocus um and possibly a few other surprises in there um not necessarily in that order we'll see uh what we end up with but yeah next week we will definitely be looking at van helsing and we'll keep you posted from there we want to thank you once again for the listening to the video junkier podcast and if you enjoyed your stay we hope that you'll share this around and until next time i'm joe peterson i'm eric Branson, and i'm ryan seiskel Five man. Please tell them that I am God.
You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter, at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram, as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>